What is up? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. We are the podcast for complete athletic development. So if you're looking for a show that's going to cut through all of the social media gimmicks, the misinformation, and all the uh, confusion on the internet, then uh, yeah, you found the right podcast, guys. So again, I'm John. I'm your host. I'm here today with my co-host, Chris Scarborough and Mandy. And today we are going to talk about... Um, some baseball-related uh, questions and some nutrition stuff uh, as well. But before we get to that, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining. Let's tell you a little bit how our show works. Our show, we're a little different than the norm. We have three main type of episodes. We used to have four, but we decided to go ahead and combine them. So your first one is what you're hearing today, and that's going to be your soup of the day. Your uh, That's our ode. Uh, as always, our ode to Dumb and Dumber. We're Dumb and Dumber fans here. And the soup of the day is really a Q&A as well. Uh, it used to be just a topic type of conversation, but we decided we have so many questions that we're going to combine that episode and make it one. So the soup of the day is going to be a couple questions that we get from you guys, the listeners. And you can submit those questions to info at EliteLevelPerformance.com anytime you want, and we will answer those on this show. The other type of show is going to be a guest interview. Uh, this is where we are going to bring in our colleagues from across the um, country and honestly across the world and uh, they're going to share you uh, share their stories on how to win what they've done uh, what they've had success with with their athletes with their clients and uh, we get to hear a little bit about their perspective and then the final uh, one is going to uh, be my rant and that is going to be called friday fire so that comes out friday morning or friday afternoon and that's going to be basically 10 to 20 minutes of me speaking my mind telling you really brain dumping on you telling you it's something that I feel needs to be spoken about, um, kind of a hot-button issue. It's uh, more, more likely it's going to be related to the mental game, uh, you know, kind of getting your head right and uh, you know, getting some of you guys uh, off the couch and into the gym. And so that is your Friday fire. But like I said, today, today is going to be the soup of the day, and it is going to be a topic-based, uh, topic-based episode. So two questions that we're going to look at today. The first one, uh, we're going to bring Mandy in. Uh, for sure on this one. And I think, Chris, you and I can uh, kind of bow out of this question a little bit. This is kind of Mandy's expertise. But, yeah, you know, I get the first I think, question I think, right yeah, off the top. We'll, you and I will, uh, will chime in a little bit. But we've got a lot of questions about nutrition. Um, a lot of questions about, you know, what to eat before a workout, what to eat before a game, uh, and post-workout, post post-game nutrition as well. But I'd say we just keep it simple today. and You know, let's talk about kind of what to – what athletes really need to eat prior to a workout, prior to a game? Well, usually when I get this question, it's um, coming from somebody that really needs to take a look at their entire diet. They get so focused on, okay, what do I need to eat right before a game or right after a game? But really, it's what you need to be eating all the time. Um, you're, you're not going to get a huge benefit from that meal you ate right before the game. If you're eating like crap the other, you know, six days a week and 23 hours of the day. Why do you, so you say you're not going to get a lot of benefit. Why? Because you hear things like carb loading before games or carb loading before runs. So for example, like obviously if they have a terrible diet, right? like it's not going to matter. But if we just start with the, they're not going to get a lot of benefit out of a meal prior to a game. Is there a reason for that? Well, basically, because if you take it without getting too much into the energy cycles of your cells, 
the whole carb loading idea and uh, you know that sort of thing comes from okay accumulation having the energy to perform the activity that you want to do so you hear that from a lot of times from runners you know before a race and what i will tell you and i'll tell you you know even um you know any other sport really baseball football <clears throat> you're you're not going to get a huge benefit from something right before a game obviously you don't want to go into your activity on an empty stomach um, but you also don't want to go into your activity with a full load of food to digest. Um, so what I will tell people is it's about 24 hours before your activity um, is where you really want to consider your meal because it's going to take that long to get it digested, get it absorbed, and get that those nutrients into your cells. So for like a runner that's got a morning race, that's the spaghetti dinner of the night before. For a baseball player that's got a 6 p.m. game on a Monday night, what are you eating Sunday night for dinner? Um, now, that's not to say that eating before, like I said, eating before a game is important, but you want to give yourself about an hour or two um, time to digest because then John can chime in with this or Chris, it's, it's you know, digestion is parasympathetic, <laughs> your activity is sympathetic, and your nervous system can't do both. Yeah, that's a good point. So you don't want to have to worry about digesting your food and then also performing in your sport. So you think mostly for energy. So that's where you're going to want carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are your energy, and they're going to be your immediate energy, your simple sugars, which is what a lot of the nu nutrition things I hear, um, <laughs> chocolate milk, um, you know, I had a kid come in and told me that his coach told him to eat a cinnamon bun right before the game because that was good fuel. <laughs> Stop and, a cinnamon on the way. Yeah. <laughs> and all we're really talking here is sugar. I mean, honestly, you just might as well put a teaspoon of sugar and water and chug that. And what you're was the reasoning for the, like the cinnamon roll before a game? Or I, I, I really don't know. I think sugar, just getting some sugar in his system. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. But yeah, you don't want any insulin dips or blood sugar lows, but spiking it with a cinnamon bun is probably not the best idea. Um, so you could go a piece of fruit, um, you know, a, a higher grainier bread with a little bit of peanut butter on it. So you get a little bit of carbs, a little bit of protein, something in your, mainly it's just getting something in your system so you're not running on empty and possibly running into some blood sugar issues. Um, so that's my before a game advice. After, obviously, you kind of want to replenish what you just did. So protein, a little bit of good slow digesting carbs. So yogurt with some granola, piece of fruit with, you know, or veggies. With Why would you say slow chicken. digesting carbs rather than fast? Well, because you don't carbs. need that immediate energy. You're not about to go perform a, an activity that's going to put a high demand on your metabolic system. You're done. You're ready to now rest, repair, restore, whether you just competed at a powerlifting meet or you just played a baseball game, obviously gauged to your activity. Yeah, but I guess now that, you that, don't need that a, immediate energy. Yeah, I guess that's a different thought process. At least I know I, my brain immediately goes to, you know, kind of like the bodybuilding side of stuff. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, after your workout, you know, you got your anabolic window, whether that's true or not, right. whatever. But, you know, you, you try to get your protein in but you also get the carbs and the fast digesting carbs quick so you can replace the glycogen stores which is important i think you see on tiktok instagram things like that a lot of your know, bodybuilding type of information mm -hmm. that 
these teenagers, whether you're high school, college, even even pros. I mean, I can't the amount of pro people we've worked with who don't understand nutrition is kind of mind mind bottling or mind boggling. <laughs> mind bottling is anchor man, isn't it? I think that's what that is. <laughs> or a John Nelson yeah. word. Yeah, or, or mine, yeah. <laughs> like so, the point is move. <laughs> yes. But I think you don't have to replace the glycogen stores quite as fast. Right. Because it's not necessarily about muscle repair as much as it is energy system repair, I guess. I don't know. Energy system. Exactly. So the idea behind the carbs, like you were talking about, John, and, and breaking that anabolic cycle and, and getting right into that repair is you are, it's hormonal. You want to boost your insulin to stop that cortisol. And that's, that's a whole enough, and that speaks to what you're talking about. That is more of a bodybuilding. It's a very scientific way of um, building muscle tissue for a specific purpose. For somebody who's just coming out of a baseball game, that's not as important. Yes, you do want to replenish so that you're ready to go because you're, like I said, you go to sleep at night, but your cells never really shut down. So you've got to have something in there to replenish and rebuild that energy cycle so that you, your body can do all the processes it needs to do overnight. But we're not obviously looking to, you know, add massive amounts of muscle gain. That wasn't our goal during our activity. Yeah, so it might sense. be different for a bodybuilder than it would be for somebody playing a sport. What about you, Chris? You work with a lot of track athletes. Yeah. Yeah. No, do you, I, how, how do you tend to approach it? Well, <clears throat> as far as like the, the nutrition advice, I agree with almost <laughs> point for point from what Mandy said. And that is, you know, the first thing, you know, it, nothing's going to beat what they do every day. Right. You know, so it, most of them need help every day. So forget about the game before, after, whatever. I mean, that's right. Like, so, so, like, if you're still throwing 80 miles an hour, or you're running like a 15 second 100 meter, like, <laughs> and you're eating pop tarts, don't come whining and complaining. Right. Basically. Exactly. Because you're probably nicer yeah. than I am, but I basically yeah. tell them to get out. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then the you know the second thing though too is, you know, even let's let's take our longest run at a high school level. It's a 5K. It's a you know the right. cross country run. Um, and in indoor, it's, it's two miles. What do you need to carb load for? You know, right. it's like, how much glycogen do you freaking need to run 3.1 miles? It's right. not much. It's not much. I guarantee you, if they eat a decent breakfast, you know, three hours before that run, they're fine from a right. glycogen standpoint. So, you know, so the whole carb loading thing, if someone's running a half marathon or something like that, okay, I can see some benefit. You know, honestly, a 3.1 mile run, and that's not, I'm not degrading the run. Okay. I'm not. But like a soccer player might be a, a good example, though, of somebody who could benefit from carb loading. I had a soccer player ask me that the other day. When they have tournaments on the weekends, I mean, they're playing three games yeah. back to back to back. And he's like, what do I eat? I said, bro, just eat anything. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> well, that was yeah. a little bit more detail, a little more detail than that. But yeah, don't change what you're doing too much, but don't be afraid to enjoy Friday night as long as it's not totally outside of your comfort zone because your body's used to digesting certain things but if you guys order a pizza then eat, eat a pizza don't don't be concerned about it you need the extrogen at least my my thought process is carb loading in a situation like that's okay because you're going to be playing I, I don't even know how long a soccer game is uh I, yeah I don't know I only played soccer in like sixth grade so yeah but I guess that's different than, I don't know is that different what do you think um well no, not really, because really, what what are they doing if they're if they're a college kid or a high school kid going out and eating pizza? They're they're just living life. They're not going right. out there to specifically carb load. I don't care who who whoever told you that's lying their butt off. 
They just want to go have a pizza. All right, go have a pizza. So go just live it. your normal life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah for real. You know, um, so I'm not really, um, I don't know. I, I just I, I just think the whole carb loading thing for the majority of our athletes out there, just BS. Just go, you know, eat, you know, make, make improvements to the everyday thing and forget mm-hmm. everything else at this point. That's my very simple to the point advice. On that on that rare occasion you want to go eat that pizza, you know, because you you know, the very fact that it has a little bit of extra carbs, okay, good for you. But do it because you just want to have the pizza. Don't go freaking carb load just because you think it's <laughs> right. gonna help you perform better tomorrow. It's probably not gonna work like that. Right. Well kind of expanding on that and I know John hears this question too. Chris you probably do too. Um, I think the question that I get asked by far the most is I need to gain weight or or I've been at the same weight for I don't know two years and I can't I can't I can't gain weight and it's like and to your point Chris you'll sit down and and say okay well what do you eat and on a day-to-day basis it's pathetic it is pathetic what they're eating and the amounts they're eating it's it's hardly anything Um, you know most I'll take the I'll say the average teenage male, 17 to 19, you know, and they're eating probably 1,200 calories and wondering why they're not putting on weight. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was so, that was the last week's Friday Fire right episode. Is the you know, you're not a hard gainer. You're not a, <laughs> no, you don't eat. That's why you're right. a hard gainer. Yeah, you're not special. Right. Your metabolism. My metabolism is fast. fast, right? I hear that. I've got a fast metabolism. You know, I just can't gain weight. And then we start breaking it down. I mean, in in the very simplest terms, and and I actually just listened to a really great podcast with um, Lane Norton, who is like the guru in all things scientific when it comes to nutrition. It's math. It is calories in, calories out. And you start talking about what that means and in respect to their sport and, and putting on weight. But it all comes down to, yes, it's calories in, calories out. But those calories do matter. There are calories better than others. And, and yeah, eat, eat for your goals, but one good meal before a game is not going to turn you into a rock star if you're eating like crap the rest of the time. So, um, you know, protein, carbs, fat in, in their most natural forms are going to be your best bets in anything. I don't care what you're trying to do. Um, so that is that's my advice when it comes to nutrition for kids. And I do know that it's hard. I'm one of the hardest things I work with kids, especially um it's school age, so middle school, high school, and college might, should be easier, but it seems to be just as hard for them to be able to get good food during the day because you've got cafeteria food. You can't bring food to school. The hard thing about protein is it's not portable. You can't stick a chicken breast in your pocket, and, I, you know, it's not a good thing to eat, you know, eight protein bars during the day. I'm just picturing um, that. Somebody putting the chicken breast in their pocket. I get it. It's tough. So... You know, we do sit down and try to come up with what their schedule looks like and what they can do. So that that it's that can be a challenge for kids. I will it's give like them that. Christmas but. vacation. Yeah. Take a little bit of the yellow <laughs> and the blue, please. Some of the blue, please. Um, so that's where you can uh, you can get a little more detailed and try to help out some of these kids because I do understand that is a challenge. But um, but overall, it, it it it's just consistency, discipline. Every day, hitting your goals. Yeah, just with the basics. I, I'm, 
I tell people, you know, when, when they come in for an assessment, one of the things we always talk about, we briefly touch it in nutrition and for anybody listening, you know, if somebody wants to go a whole lot deeper, that's definitely where I refer them to Mandy. But if they're asking baseline of nutrition, I usually say start small and start with just something very consistent. And so I, I give, you know, my shake recipe out. That's a secret ELP shake recipe. You know, I, I mean, I give it out to everybody because it's just something very basic that you can do. And I mean, all it is is, you know, almond milk and fruit and some egg whites and a scoop of protein. And it's really not that complicated. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You use some berries, whatever, um, whey protein, just try to keep it clean. But, you know, something as simple as that right there, that shake is going to be about 50 to 75 grams of good quality carbs. And it's going to be about, you know, 50 grams of protein. It's going to be roughly 20 grams in the scoop of protein and 20 grams in a cup of egg whites, give or take. So you do that consistently day in and day out. And that really has a large cumulative effect, not only in gaining weight, but just in your body's general ability to absorb quality nutrients that you can use on the field. Yep. And so that's, uh, that's the secret shake recipe if anybody wants to know. <laughs> but it is about just like winning the day and, and getting – getting the quality things in on a consistent basis. You don't have to meal prep like a bodybuilder and take mm-hmm. all that to school. You don't need a meal prep service. You don't have to do all that type of stuff. Just you keep it simple and do one one thing at a time. Once that becomes a habit, then you add the next one and try to make mm-hmm. the good choices that you need to. And I guess as Chris and Mandy both said, don't worry about carb loading. Just go live your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're um, eating enough calories consistently, you will have the energy you yes. need to perform your sport. Yes. That's it. All right. Okay, question number two. Question number two. This one this comes from Preston. So Preston asks, he wants to know if heavy and light bat training is good to increase bat speed. And a little bit of the background, as he says, some people say heavy bats are great. Some people say heavy bats aren't as great because it causes the body to move slower in order to swing them, and it'll just make your swing slower. So he wanted to know our thoughts on whether lighter heavy bat training uh, or if it even truly makes a difference. So Chris, why don't you, uh, why don't you start, man? What, uh, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts? Well, there's, if we're looking at running speed, I know he's asking specifically about bat speed, but you know, there's no doubt. So you guys, Chris is automatically going to defer to track. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That would be true. Um, So if, if, Yes, I mean, we certainly would do some overspeed stuff, especially when you're looking at acceleration, trying to speed everything up. Um, you know, some, some sled work can certainly work well and has been shown and proven to work pretty well. Um, and then you got the other end, you know, the, t- the top speed, um, probably less beneficial to add extra resistance for a, for a say, a top, the top speed part of a run, of a sprint. Um, uh, on the flip side of that underweight, like underweight, for example, say a resisted jump and an assisted jump. So we're we're working on jumping now to a, a, a small amount can certainly benefit. You know, if you, if you have an underweighted jump, um, for example, like a bungee jump, you know, where you get some bungee, bungee assistance. Number one, it like an accelerated band jump or a vertimax. Yeah, like a like an accelerated band jump. So the bands are uh, okay. you know, over your head, and you kind of okay. use them to help you. Um, yeah. We use that to help. And I think w- there's a reason that we're not saying the vertimax. Uh, I'm not a fan of the vertimax. 
because I don't think it allows you to release all the energy. John, you didn't say it. I'm not the one who didn't say that. So, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry if you're listening, Vertimax. You want to talk about how to release the bands at the top? You're right. No, no, no. It's uh, but if you're using it to uh, like just bands, just you know, think of any you know large loop bands hooked around the top of a power rack. You know, you can use those to help you accelerate your jumping ability, stay on the ground for a lower period of time, um, and jump slightly higher. It works pretty well in conjunction with other stuff. So. Our, our training, um, say for someone trying to improve a vertical jump, just going to use that as an example because we can do it in the gym. We would typically do something heavy like a, a squat. Now, we, we're not going to go like a five rep max, but we'll do five to six reps of a weight that they can lift fairly fast. All right. Um, full squat that they can lift fairly fast. Uh, exercise two might be your traditional, okay, I'm going to use your traditional plyometric box jump, where they're bo- jumping from, from box to ground, back to the box, back to the ground, back to the box, where they're on the ground for a minimal amount of time. You hit the ground, they bounce off the ground. A, a true traditional plyometric, if you will. Um, we would then go to something usually in a split, a split squat position, maybe some dumbbell lunge jumps or something like that. Uh, and then our last thing might be something that's assisted, where we hang some bands from above. Now, in conjunction with the other things, that assisted band jump works great because I, I use everything else to improve that vertical jump, and I use that last exercise to kind of help them get that get that better vertical jump faster. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Oh yeah, I mean. It's- it's an it's it's almost like an overspeed. Principle. Yes. Oh, it is an overspeed principle. And by the way, right, right. I just that whole program. I mean, you base basically traditional um, uh, Caldeets. Uh, help me, help me, John. Oh, Caldeets. It's, it's French okay, contrast training on steroids. Thank you. It's just mm-hmm. French contrast. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. not. It's French yeah. contrast on steroids. With I, I mean, he does have a name for like all like four. I think contrast is going to be typically more two two exercises back to back. Yeah, so I we're but that's really but all way. that is. I mean, that's not like it's not right. rocket science. It's just it's just putting these four everyone kind of addresses a, a slightly different component than the one before it. As a side note, I really like using cluster sets for that first exercise. I'm a big fan yeah, of that. Yeah, I mean just you know, and there's quite a few ways you can put that together. I just threw that example out there. Um now right. here So like so your example it breaks down into the whole premise of the conversation is what are you trying to develop right. with heavy bats or lighter bats? And it's basically strength yes. and the ability to display the strength, the specificity of yes. the strength, or your, at which it, I feel falls under that speed and power category as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, so that comes down to the point. So let, let's, let's now take that and let's apply that to this baseball player asking the question. If you can do some rotational work heavy – then some rotational work reactive. Doesn't have to be with a bat, okay? Does not have to be with a bat. Could be with a cable, could be with a uh, renegade, uh, uh, say, you know, slice of landmine with a, with a, um, a bar, uh, you know, anything along that line. So heavy rotation, reactive rotation, um, uh, maybe something that changes the position of the rotation, maybe an extension rotation, where, like where you're, if you can kind of picture me here where I'm actually pulling a cable 
you know, and yeah. rotating my body at the same time, almost like a, uh, like an archer uh, type, like a lateral lunge with an archer position or something like that. Then maybe your bat, a light bat, might be kind of exercise four in that. I could see where something like a light bat could really could certainly work. Now, if you, what about the heavy bat? Well, maybe put in it in at uh, say exercise three. You know, maybe have it in exercise one or three where you're doing something a little more heavy, and um, and then you know I would throw it in the contrast. I by themselves just weighted bat work by itself. I would be surprised if it helped for very long. It, it might help someone in the short term. I don't see someone doing that by itself, and that's all they do. I can't see either one of those helping a lot long term. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, combined. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I don't. I don't get into the whole <clears throat> skill side of stuff too much. I don't. I don't like to dig into that very often because I think there's a. No, I, there's a delineation between athleticism and skill, but they also do kind of blend. That's a different conversation. But so, you know, like my, my stepdaughter's hitting coach is Bill Selby. And, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, Bill Selby had a great MLB career. He's the only person to ever hit a walk-off grand slam off Mariana Rivera. Nice. And I remember, Bill, if you're listening to this, one, that's one of the first things uh, I remember you telling my stepdaughter was – when she came in, was swing it as hard as you can every single time. And that just, that resonated with me because ultimately when we're, when we're looking at bat speed, I think one of the big things you're, you're inevitably talking about is also its correlation with exit velocity. And I, I pulled the numbers on it because I thought it was interesting that one mile per hour increase of bat speed equals 1.2 miles an hour increase in exit velo which is also equal to seven feet in distance two miles an hour in bat speed equals 2.4 miles an hour of exit velo etc 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 so when we're talking about the use of heavy bats and in lighter bats or you know unweighted bats whatever you're inevitably talking about the ability to display you know your speed or speed strength and increase your exit velocity. Obviously, exit velocity once you've made contact, and how you know how fast the <coughs> excuse me, how fast that's coming, how fast the ball's coming off the bat. So you, you it really has to be broken down into two categories of the strength component and the speed or the ability to display that. <coughs> now, I think Chris, where where you said something, I, I don't remember what it was you said, but I thought, oh. One of the things you talked about was the rotational side of it, and I think this is where I, I beg to differ with you a little bit. I'm not, and maybe one day I will be, but I am not a big med ball person. That's not, I don't have anything against it. I find, though, that it's too difficult to measure the power output and the speed of the movement and know that it's absolutely translating to the field. So, yes, we've talked about Tendo units before, and measuring bar speed or at least staying within you know repetition ranges that transfer into speed strength or you know strength speed the power elements there so if you're younger and don't understand what i'm talking about you have absolute strength you have strength speed you have speed strength you have speed basically as force is high speed is slow as you know speed is high force is low you got that middle power zone 
that's where med ball work kind of comes in in that middle range kind of you know lower range i've never been a huge rotational guy because you can't tell me that if i'm doing dynamic effort deadlifts for example that my obliques are not doing a large part of that work as well and i feel like I, i've always felt at least having something that is more tangible and knowing exactly the speed the bar speeds and the percentages that correlate to power and speed development utilizing that and they're going to actually then when they go out they're going to develop the oblique so to speak for rotational power during that deadlift so to speak then when they step on the field that's when they're actually sprinting and displaying that that's why i don't do a lot of like quote unquote just un speed work all the time and so where i'm going with that chris is you said a lot of rotational work well the obliques don't work separately from any other part of the body it all works as a chain right and so that's that's where i i feel there are other efficient ways to develop full body you know you know engagement and, and ability to display strength and speed without isolating it into something like a med ball throw that you know that's what everybody wants to think of is is you know power display and I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm trying to go with that, but you said that, and, and that just resonated with me because I know that's just not an area that I think there are many other ways that we can go about that. That I think the ability to generate that rotational force is going to be more so, especially in swinging, like how we're loading that leg. Are we establishing that bow the right way? Are we absorbing that energy, and then can we transfer that energy the right way? So I think you can do med ball work all day or heavy med ball work, but like if inside ankle bones collapse in the right way, if we're not releasing it completely – then the energy is going to get stuck and no amount of med ball work is going to change that. It's only going to make the pattern worse. And I think that's where you could get into trouble with the he heavy bat, light bat versus I know if I'm doing a deadlift, I have this percentage that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm using this type of um, power or speed development. And then the other side of it is movement. I'm going to train you to move efficiently and move like an athlete rather than breaking everything up. Yeah. Well, I happen to agree with you on the, the whole, um, <clears throat> I, I don't think I ever said med ball. I don't know, somewhere in there, I think you dreamed I did. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. I might have, just because so I wanted to get into an argument about it. I'm what trying to get you fired. Chris, I'm trying to create drama I'll, on this that's show. That's what okay? I figured. I was like, okay, we're in the war. We need fire. Right. But anyway, no. the, uh, I swear I swear you said med ball. You're full of it. No, you said med ball. No, I didn't did. hear that. I didn't hear med ball. I'm okay. going anyway. okay, to side okay. So this. you said rotational. You said rotational twist No, I did not. No, your head went to med ball. Yeah, somehow your head went to med ball. Anyway, no, you typically, no, I totally agree with you in the sense that um, no, everything, you know, in fact, probably what I ought to do is get like a little video and actually show and actually put the demo on exactly what I was talking about and make it a rotational uh, combo. And you'll see everything uh, that that uh, I was referring to would uh, has has a squat component, has a lunge component, has a rotational component, has a push component, a pull component. And so it's. It, I totally agree. It would it would actually be ex exceptionally um, integrated. It just so happens that oh, by the way, you rotate during that as well. So it's uh, uh, so you'd have a, a little bit better of a picture. Oh, and by the way, just to mess with you, I'm gonna throw a little med ball in there. Just so like, oh, have med ball. Med well, ball. I'm not saying involved in there too. <laughs> I'm not saying med balls are bad. I'm just saying that's not a really a huge thing that I do. Yet you always hear. Oh my gosh, my exit velocity, you know, went off the charts or whatever the case may be. 
and it's like we, we really didn't do a whole lot of med ball or rotational type stuff because I think the rotational component, the rotational component is with everything. And just so everybody's kind of listening, I don't use the deadlift like I used to I anymore. That used to be a theory of mine, or it's not theory, it's science. And we've had great results with it. But we've really changed our, our philosophy on how we develop those types of special strengths, so the, the absolute strength, the speed, strength, speed, you know, strength, speed, and speed, you know, through a lot of the, you know, a lot of the go to work. I mean, like I said, that's changed a lot of what we do. And, and I mean, our numbers are going through the roof because it's teaching the body to move as a whole. So I think inevitably, Preston, I would ask you how, how much your exit velo has improved and how much your, you know, swing has improved. I don't know if you actually use those or not. I, I don't recall. Now, clearly, I can't remember shit, according to Chris and, and Mandy. But, you know, I, I don't believe you and I ever had that conversation up until now. So I think you should look at how your body moves in accordance to the other strength and power elements that you trained for all that time prior. So like Chris talked about the reactive work. Remember, we did a lot of reactive work. We did a lot of reactive squats. I even had the newbie hooked up to you while we did it. Because, you know, in that in that display of speed or the overspeed principle, you know, we're ultimately trying to recruit more fast twitch fibers as well. And so the newbie can do that, you know, and, and other methods can do that as well. So I, I think breaking it down into those two component parts, what you're trying to accomplish from a strength and speed and power display is important. Now I know the literature shows that yes, you have seen improvements, but remember you can make any study show what you want it to show. Yep. I'm not saying the studies that are out there are invalid. I, I, I don't know. I've read through one or two of them real quick just to see what they had to say. But when you're looking at like a high schooler or middle school kid, just the development of some general strength, that's, that's the king. The strength and movement will assist in the speed and power development. When you get older, though, like in college pro, I think you could see a little bit more benefit in it. it because it, I guess it's a little more specific, and I hate to use the word sports specific. But as Chris is saying – you can develop those traits without using those tools. I mean, Chris, that, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You can develop the traits without using those right. tools. And, and, and yes, correct. And that's, uh, I mean, clearly, if you're going to go use those tools, sports specific, you're at practice. You know, you're, you're right. So right. you're, you know, um, and by the way, if I put one of these little programs together to put on the YouTube channel, just a little bit of hate mail, okay, be kind of gentle. Because I have not swung a bat in, like, I can't remember how long. So I'm going to get all kinds of critiques. Of, That's not how you saw Okay, I get it. All right? So, oh, awesome. So anyway, just a little bit of hate mail for that. And then, um, you know, uh, but I will put together a little, uh, you know, complex here of those four exercises. And that way someone can actually see the things in practice. How about that? That's I like awesome. It. I like it. Yep. So I think, I think Preston – one of the other, you know, while Chris was talking, this is maybe why I don't remember anything because I was thinking something <laughs> in my head and just kind of blocking it out. He said something about he can't swing a bat. But once you get to a certain level, you, I think you really need to look into the movement pattern. So how efficiently does the body move rather than, you know, the skill so much? Because the skill is going to be dictated by the movement pattern, not the other way around. You know, you can work on your skill all day. That's fine. But there comes a point where your nervous system relies on the skill and the myelination that occurs. It, my, myelination is why, pra well, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. But myelination is like the insulation around a nerve fiber. And that's what happens when you're swinging 
you know, over and over and over and over again is you're just laying more myelin down over that nerve to insulate that pattern. And so what ends up happening is you reach a certain level of that skill where the, there's going to be a subtle variation in how you do it every time. They showed that research back in like the 30s with blacksmiths and how they swung a hammer. And so rather than truly digging into the the heavy bat, lighter bat, if you're developing those qualities in the gym already, if you have you know access to a good strength and conditioning coach who knows how to develop those through you know things like the French contrast method, you know accelerated you know using heavy lift and then accelerated jumps, and then addressing the movement component of it. So how is your body absorbing and producing energy, Preston? I think that's where you could really make a substantial change in increasing your bat speed and ultimately your exit velocity is the ability to absorb and produce the energy. So um, that's a really good question. I mean, that was a really good question. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, you got anything you want? I mean, any other thoughts you want to put on there? Uh, Anybody listening, hey, make sure you rate and review. Please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. To, to wrap no, that question up finally, like, again, five star review. Let's five be, star review. Yeah. Be, yeah. No kidding. So like, I, I think the answer to that question is is a yes and no. Are they good? Yes. Are they bad? Yes. No. Like, no. I. It could go either way. So, it could go either way. I think that's why you see a lot of conflicting research on it. Um, so what I'm going to ask you guys is actually to rate and review uh, Chris's swing Woo. when we post that video. <laughs> oh man. That's what I'm going to get you guys to rate. No pressure. Yeah. And. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, that, that was a good question. That's uh, that's gonna wrap it up for us uh, today, guys. Again, uh, send us uh, send us some questions. Info at elitelevelperformance.com. That'd be great. Uh, you can also send it to us on social media. Elite Level Performance on Instagram and Chris, yours is what again? It is fast underscore and underscore agile underscore four nine. Fast and agile forty nine on Instagram. Got yes. it. Cool. Yeah, fire us questions, and we will continue to answer those. We have uh, some good guests coming up, so we'll do our Q&A Soup of the Day episodes about every other week for you guys while we put the guests in there. And keep the questions coming. And remember, share the show, please. That's uh, that's really all we ask for all this is just share the show. This podcast is a mission in helping get the information out to the coaches, to the parents, and to you so you guys can win. That's ultimately our goal. We're not asking you to buy anything. We're not promoting anything. We just want to see you guys win and see our community get better. And the only way we can do that is if you guys share the show. If uh, if we pissed you off, let us know. Um, <laughs> if we gave you valuable information, let us know. Um, you know, if uh, you think the show sucks, let us know. If your question's stupid, don't let us know because I'll just delete it. Okay. But uh, no. can I uh, can I say yeah. something real quick? I believe, and John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that this episode is. Uh, Dropping on November 8th. So if you're listening on this Tuesday, November 8th, and you have not voted yet, go out and vote. Yes. All right? Yes. We can't stress that enough. You, you need to get out and vote, and I'll, I'll put that on a Friday right. episode for you. Uh, you guys need to understand what's going on in the world. You need to go vote because it impacts everybody, uh, small businesses, your career, et cetera. So get out there and vote. So we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Share the show, and we will talk to you guys All right. later. Yep.